Peace be with you. My name is Drew. I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn Heights Church. And this week, as Pablo said, we're continuing our sermon series through the Apostle Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians. And as we've said over the past couple weeks, the fundamental issue in Corinth was division in the church. And so Paul's letter is fundamentally an appeal for unity. Paul makes that explicit in chapter 1, but then he launches into a discussion of wisdom. The wisdom of this age, the wisdom of the age to come, the wisdom of mere humans, and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Why? Why does Paul start talking about wisdom? Well, the answer is really simple. It's because the popular understanding of wisdom in Corinth was producing division in the church. You see, the wise, the wise in first century Corinth were the intellectual elites of the day. Corinth was a Roman colony, a city marked by a strong honor culture. Corinthians were chasing after honor, status, and social standing. They would do almost anything for the respect of the people. And so the idea that God himself, who is higher than anyone, more honorable than anyone, would make himself lower than everyone, was perfectly backwards. It was perfectly countercultural. The cross was quite simply absurd, and as Brandon said last week, the logic of the cross was moronic. You see, the, the logic of the cross had not yet shaped the Corinthian conception of church leadership. And so Christians were looking for church leaders who were wise, like the intellectual elites in Corinth were wise. Well, today we're going to discuss the nature of true wisdom, according to the Bible. And here's our thesis statement. True wisdom is cruciform. True wisdom is cruciform. That word just means shaped like a cross. True wisdom is shaped like a cross. True wisdom looks like crucifixion. Sounds great, doesn't it? Did you know that Christians are called to be philosophers? It's true. The word philosophy comes from a Greek word, word meaning the love of wisdom. We are called to be lovers of wisdom. Let's read from Proverbs 3. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold wisdom fast are called blessed. These words were written by King Solomon. Solomon was a philosopher, a lover of wisdom. As a young man, God appeared to Solomon in a dream, and he said, Ask what I shall give you. It was a test. Would Solomon ask for riches and honor? Would his request be fundamentally selfish? Or would Solomon think about God's people? Would his request be others-oriented? And what does he ask for? Solomon asks for wisdom. 
He asks for wisdom so that he can rule as a faithful and just servant of the people. And God honors that request. God makes Solomon the wisest person on the planet. But keep in mind why Solomon asks for wisdom. I'll say it again. Solomon asks for wisdom so that he can rule as a faithful and just servant of the people. Solomon asks for wisdom not for his own sake, but for the good of others, for the good of God's people, and by extension, for the good of the entire world. So we've got three points today. Point number one is that cruciform wisdom, cross-shaped wisdom, is for the mature. Let's read 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 to 8. Yet among the mature... We do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Okay, if we survey the writings of Paul, we see that he saw world history as essentially comprised of two ages, the present age and the age to come. The church exists today in the overlap of those two ages. All right, picture, picture a Venn diagram, right? Two circles partially overlapping. We live in that middle segment. We live in tension we have been freed from the power of sin, and yet sin remains present. Death has lost its sting, and yet we still die. The kingdom has come, and, and we eagerly wait for its coming. The age to come is breaking into the present age, and Jesus was the turning point. As Paul will say later in 1 Corinthians, the end of the ages has come upon us. The mystery of that Venn diagram has been revealed to those who have eyes to see the wisdom of God in Jesus Christ. The word wisdom was very clearly a buzzword in, in Corinth. But even within this one letter, Paul uses the word in two different ways. Paul is presenting a contrast for us. He is contrasting the worldly wisdom of the present age with true, spiritual, cruciform wisdom of the age to come. The intellectual elites in Corinth were wise in the worldly sense, but their wisdom was proven to be foolishness when they crucified Jesus, the Lord of glory. On the other hand, true wisdom is the formation of a cruciform mindset, resulting in others-oriented living. Cruciform wisdom looks like foolishness, but it's actually true wisdom. So worldly wisdom appears wise, but it ends up being actually foolish. Cruciform wisdom appears foolish, and it turns out to be truly wise. We'll come back to that. Smart people are not necessarily wise, are they? Wisdom is about more than intelligence. It's about more than having the right information. Wise people live wisely. Wise people don't just give good advice. Wise people live humbly, quietly, 
conscientiously. Now, look at the word mature in verse 6. When you see this word, mature, think spiritually adult. Spiritually adult. And what distinguishes adulthood from childhood? Lots of things, right? You don't need to list them. I want to highlight one in particular. Adults take responsibility for others. Children don't have to do that. Children are dependents. Their job is to play and learn and listen. The consequences of their actions are limited because other people are willing to take responsibility. Adults, on the other hand, are not dependents. Their job is to provide and protect. Their job is to serve. Their job is to take responsibility for others. For some of us, that that means a spouse and children. For all of us, that means the brothers and sisters to our left and our right. And so cruciform wisdom is for mature people. It's exercised responsibly for the good of others. Cruciform wisdom is a mark of spiritual maturity. It means means we take responsibility for ourselves so that we can take responsibility for others. Like Solomon, true wisdom is fundamentally unselfish, others-oriented, others-promoting. And Paul points this out. God actually used the wise men of the world to accomplish his plan of redemption. God used the wisdom of man to bring the wisdom of man to its doom. And thereby he revealed his true and higher wisdom through the crucifixion of the Lord of glory, through Jesus Christ. The foolishness of God shames the wisdom of man. The foolishness of God is true wisdom. True wisdom is cruciform. And it's reserved for spiritual adults, men and women and children who take responsibility for others and serve others. Yes, even children can be spiritual adults insofar as the cross of Christ shapes the way that they love others. Point number two. Cruciform wisdom is revealed through the Holy Spirit. Let's read verses 12 to 16. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. It's really, it's really shocking to think that we as creatures are able to explore the depths of our Creator, right? And so it shouldn't be surprising to see that our knowing God depends upon God making himself known. We as creatures need the Spirit of God to reveal the wisdom of God to us. People who are filled with the Holy Spirit do not reject divine wisdom as foolishness. 
people who are filled with the Holy Spirit have the mind of Christ, says Paul. The word mind here is not referring to the brain of Christ. We don't know everything Jesus knows. It's referring to the mindset of Christ. And what is the mindset of Christ? Let's turn to Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." In short, Paul wants us to have a cruciform mindset, a mindset shaped by the cross. The gospel of Jesus Christ should direct our thoughts and guide our steps. Worldly wisdom is like walking down a lamp-lit street at night. There may, be, there may be light to guide your steps, but you are still walking through darkness. You can see where you are, but you can't see where you are headed. True, spiritual, cruciform wisdom is like walking down that same street in the daylight. Not only is there light to guide your steps, but the daylight uncovers much of what was previously hidden. You have perspective. You can see where you are, but you can also see where you're headed. And the future, therefore, is bright. If we have the Holy Spirit, we have the seed of true wisdom, and we are called to nurture that seed into full maturity, into adulthood. We are called to walk in the daylight of cruciform wisdom. How? By allowing the gospel to direct our thoughts and guide our steps. By training ourselves to interpret our circumstances and to make decisions in light of the selfless, sacrificial, others-oriented love of Christ. This is hard work. We should expect it to be hard. Cross-shaped living does not come easy, but we can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit that he has given us. Do you want to be married? Well, reconsider that desire in the daylight of cruciform wisdom. How does the selfless, sacrificial, others-oriented love of Christ reinterpret that desire? I know that doesn't give you a spouse, but it does give you wisdom, which makes you a better spouse. Are you and a friend having the same disagreement over and over again? Reconsider that disagreement in the daylight of cruciform wisdom. How does the selfless, sacrificial, others-oriented love of Christ reinterpret that disagreement? Are you faced with the reality of sickness and death? Are you angry or bitter? Are you exhausted, lonely, restless? Are you looking to escape something? Are you wondering how to vote? Are you wondering where to go on your next vacation? Are you thinking about going back to school or taking a new job? Are you caught in sin? 
reconsider everything in the daylight of cruciform wisdom. How does the selfless, sacrificial, others-oriented love of Christ reinterpret your life circumstances and major decisions? Minor decisions. I know that's still a bit abstract, but, but we're talking about shaping and coloring the lens through which we experience life. That's what allows you to become a humble, quiet, and conscientious person. Point number three. Cruciform wisdom is ours for the taking. Cruciform wisdom is ours for the taking. Let's read from chapter three, verses one to four. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you were not ready, for you, you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? These verses bring us full circle back to the issue of division in the church. Recall from chapter 1 that the Corinthians were divided over which church leaders they liked most. Recall from chapter 2 that wisdom is for spiritual adults. Well, Paul is telling the Corinthians that their division has proven them to be spiritual infants. So, in summary, what has Paul done? He has taken up a major Corinthian buzzword, wisdom, and he has reclaimed and then redefined the term for the gospel. Specifically, he redefined spiritual maturity and adulthood in terms of holiness and Christ-likeness. Paul takes popular Corinthian language, turns it upside down, inside out, and brings the Corinthians face-to-face -face with the upside-down, inside-out wisdom of the cross. True wisdom is cruciform. Spiritual adults take responsibility for themselves and others. Jesus took responsibility for us. Wise followers of Christ are men and women and children who sacrifice for the good of others. Jesus sacrificed for our good. Therefore, according to Paul, Church members who promote and amplify division are not mature. If we are divided, we are acting like children. You see, the Holy Spirit gives us open access to the wisdom of God, but to truly explore that wisdom, we must be spiritual adults. The, to, to use the words of verse 3, we must eradicate jealousy and strife from our midst. Let's read from the book of James real quick. Paul would have known this letter well. From chapter 3, listen closely. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, 
Do not be false to the truth. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. The work of Jesus Christ on the cross was not, it was a unifying and unselfish work. Thus, divisive and selfish people do not have cruciform wisdom. They cannot have it. They tear the community to shreds. They exhaust people in leadership. They leave a trail of jaded people in their wake. And, and often, these are people who know a lot about the Bible. It should not be this way. The people who can receive the Holy Spirit's wisdom are the same people who work to overcome jealousy and envy and strife and selfishness. Cruciform people are pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, impartial, and sincere. Because cruciform people know and appreciate the suffering and meekness of the Lord of glory. Christian, does your mindset and manner of living bring unity to the church? Or does it bring division, jealousy, and strife? Is your life others-oriented? Are you shaped by the humility and sacrifice of the cross? Do you love and serve like Jesus has loved and served you? Or are you a spiritual infant? Are you an infant in Christ? Repent of every ounce of pride in your heart because pride divides. Pride divides. Do not quench the Holy Spirit in you. Feed your faith through prayer and study and community. Don't run away. Don't leave when things get difficult. Fight for unity. Pray for cruciform wisdom. Non-Christians, don't you want this sort of wisdom? Does your heart not yearn for a world full of people exercising unity, humility, and selfless love? Of course it does. Of course it does. The world you want begins in your heart. So receive the Holy Spirit. Pray to the God of the Bible for cruciform wisdom. The world needs that. God delights to give wisdom to those who ask for it. Or in other words, God delights to make us into spiritual adults. He delights to give us the mindset of Christ. And so much more. God delights to give us the age to come. God delights to give us the kingdom. You may be called foolish. You may miss out on your next promotion. You may be dishonored by your neighbors, but you can remember that true wisdom is cruciform. 
The way up is down. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live responsibly and wisely for the good of the whole community. We make ourselves servants. We care for one another. We learn to take responsibility for one another. We learn to lay down our lives for one another, just like Jesus. The rulers of this age may call that foolish, but God calls it wise. God calls it true wisdom. Think back to the Venn diagram. The age to come is like a glorious wildfire. Jesus provided the spark, and now the Holy Spirit is filling the earth with glory. How? Through cruciform living, through us. He's using us to do it through the laying down of our lives for the good of others. And we can do that because we know that our God is a resurrecting God. Amen? Amen. Every death we suffer, every sacrifice, big or small, is an opportunity to enjoy resurrection life. And that is how the age to come comes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are wise. You're the wisest. Thank you for revealing your wisdom to us, your creatures. You didn't have to do that, um, but you did. Jesus, thank you for your selfless, sacrificial, others-oriented example. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for taking responsibility for us. Thank you for laying down your life for us. Holy Spirit, please continue your work in each of us and in us as a community. Make us wise. Make us unified. Build your kingdom here in our midst. We want that. In Jesus' name, amen.